Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cheaters, we're coming to you live from a hurricane on the East Coast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Josh. Just right off the bat, I want to say, James in Uganda, great to meet you on a weekend in which it was FPL in Brooklyn. It was supposed <laughs> to be always cheating in Las Vegas this weekend, but because mm-hmm. of the Delta variant, those plans were canceled. So, Josh, I brought my energy from my house in rural New York to yep. Brooklyn. And we've been hanging out all weekend. We went to the Black Horse to watch some matches, met some great listeners of the pod. And now we are recording in your apartment. Usually we are uh, far flung recording remotely. So um, yep. always fun to be with you, Josh. And even here, we're actually recording remotely. We try to do it in, in the same. I don't know how anybody records in the same room with anybody else. I need to like, you know, this is like, a, I don't know if you had Terry Gross from Fresh Air, uh, famous. I'm sure you know her, but people listening, I'm sure most people do, uh, at least in, in the United States. She is uh, this famous NPR interviewer, but she never does in-person interviews and she just doesn't want to do it. She likes to be able to have her notes in front of her and and sort of focus. And so, uh, yeah, you and I tried it. And we're like, nah, let's go do separate <laughs> rooms. But yeah, so we, we've, we've been in Brooklyn and I feel like you've... Um, what I've been happy about was one, uh, it is like the rainiest day in like the history of New York. And so that's been, that's been fun. A great uh, excuse to yeah. stay in and watch the football, right? Yeah. You got to experience, I almost feel like you got to experience what it's like to be a dad today because <laughs> yeah. our fun, we, were, we were stuck inside, could not go out the entire day, except in the morning we went to the, you and I went to the black pressure event and you got the full experience of having a four year old just, just on top of you, like literally, yeah. like, quite literally on top of you yeah. uh, for, for several hours of yeah. the day. Yeah. <laughs> I realized that, uh, that fantasy football is not the only game in town. Uh, marble <laughs> mazes and um, right. the crow game and the crow the game, all sorts of fun games. Game. Yeah. I've been missing out on all these great games my entire <laughs> life because I've been consumed by fantasy, but that, w- that will honestly never change. And uh, one thing that consumed us this Sunday, Josh, was... Uh, the Bruno captaincy. Yeah. So for those of you who joined us on the Patreon feed on Thursday night, Josh, you and I entered a blood pact. Yep. We said, all right, the masses are going for Mo Salah. I mean, this is not like an unconventional curveball pick for us to go Bruno instead of sure. Salah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we crunched the numbers. And um, I think this because always cheating is all about making fantasy fun again. We knew we were going to be watching the Southampton-Manchester United match together. And what's more fun Mm -hmm. than watching a match rooting for the same outcome? Josh, I've watched matches with you before in person where we're rooting for different outcomes. And it can be downright miserable. Yes, it's true. (laughs) Usually my fault. I mean, because I I can't. uh, I I compartmentalize beautifully once I'm away from the game. (laughs) But in the middle of it, it's I I can be pretty miserable. Early on in the season, it's a little bit better. But yeah, and unfortunately, we yeah, we got to see Bruno have. Um, you know, not a not a fantastic game, and and just he just came in too hot. I, I think um, 
think many have just won a little too easily in game week one. And I think they maybe were a little guilty of not taking Southampton seriously enough. And so I think they got to St. Mary's, the crowd was, the crowd was lit, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, Southampton are, I mean, they had a pretty weak back line, but it just goes to show early on in the season when you need a win and the crowd is backing you, suddenly players can find a, can find another level. And um, I think it was a very fair draw. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I know that many were, were on the ball more, but I felt like um, ultimately it was reasonable for Southampton to get a point out of that match. And so, yeah, so we got one point from Bruno, but, you know, Salah got three. I mean, it's a two-point difference, and it's just I'm not going to spend 38 weeks sweating every two-point difference. It's just it's not going to be it's going to, it's going to like drain the energy from your body. If you just <laughs> yeah. sweat every two yeah. point difference, right, it's right, just right. not worth it. So we got away with it. I think, I mean, you know, it would have been awesome so. if it went I, off, but I think so. Yeah. You, you were saying, uh, focusing so much on the Bruno captaincy, you lost sight of the fact that you're a Mason Greenwood owner and Greenwood yeah. walked away with that match with 10 points. So yeah. give us a quick recap on where you are in game week two with your yeah. points. And then I'll run through my team quickly. That's so true. It's one of those things when you're when your captain doesn't go off, it you just feel like your game week is like a total like loss. Like ah, oh, like I'm I'm gonna drop in rank. It's gonna be a red arrow. And uh, but yeah, I mean I had Mason Greenwood, Danny Yings, uh, Trent, uh, and Samikas. I got a fluky two points from Luke Shaw. Like great. Uh, and uh, and then you know Sanchez six points in goal. And so I'm on 58 points right now. And I have. Uh, ben Rama and Antonio to go tomorrow. Um, looks like I'm around 220k uh, mm-hmm. before that match is played. So I, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I, you know, there's obviously some like like everybody. I have this sort of Lukaku question that I'm trying to solve right now. We're going to talk about that in today's pod. But um, yeah, I feel pretty good. I mean, it's it's a green arrow, and with two players to go tomorrow, I, I, I'm not sure that I could I could fall. I mean, I guess um, I don't know. Maybe if um, if a couple of luster players just had like the match of their lives or something like that, but, but unlikely. Possibly. I mean, it does. Is, is it Harvey Barnes who's really the FPL linchpin that that, yeah, could, that could topple you from from a top, <laughs> yeah, top top two hundred fifty k rank? I'm I'm not sure. So I'm yeah. I'm bang on the average right now with forty five points. That's the game week average, and I have three players left to go, like you, Ben Rama, and Antonio. I also have Sioux Fall. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a joy to see West Ham silence the the Leicester attack, yeah. and. Um, uh, it's tough, tough to have a really good game week one and then game week two be looking at a right now a sizable red arrow. You know, that yeah. these are these are the classic early season frustrations of you. Yeah. You want to have every player and you. Yeah. And, and this is what I have said all through the preseason. Something I want to focus on in my FPL game is is not being so negative. And a case in point is me having Diogo Jota. And eight points back-to-back, game weeks one and two, scoring the game-winning goals in both of those matches. And all I can focus on is not that I own this great FPL asset, (laughs) is that he's lost his head-to-head against Samikas across two game weeks. Uh, Mason Greenwood is overshadowing him a bit. But, you know, something that we're going to also have to touch upon uh, in this episode is how Liverpool just look amazing. And Back to what they were a couple of seasons ago. They very well could be, Yeah. 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 So um, Jota is is helping me. He's not hurting me, and I can't lose sight of that. And, yeah, yeah. good to see that Sanchez clean sheet and goal. So um, 45, I think being on the average uh, with three players left to go, the I will at least beat the average yeah. is my expectation. I well, I get a green arrow, I'm not sure. You're in a tough spot, though. I mean, I, you know, I think one way to think about it is you're around like 100K 
overall um, at after game week one, and there's 7.5 million managers playing, right? Yeah. Right. So it's it's like I'm not even sure it would have been possible for you to, to push on from there, right? Because <laughs> yeah, it true. wasn't you, you would need every player who did well last week to do well again, right? You didn't need yeah. to transfer anything like that. You know, well, so. yeah. So and, and and I think that that is the theme coming out of game week two is that in a way we all thought we were on easy street. Game right. week one was a pretty template, and we saw huge, huge scores, and that was lots of fun. Game week two said, no, 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 not so fast. <laughs> Actually, you guys have to work for your points, right. and FPL is going to make you think. So um, in, in, in another way, I'm encouraged by that. This, will, yeah. this season is offering lots of challenges already. So um, to that point, the theme of this week's podcast is what, Josh? It's 10 things we think we think leading up to game week three. So what, what have we learned so far through, through, through two weeks? I, I don't know about you. My feeling is that once, once the ball is kicked in game week one, it's like, I have a kind of clarity that I never had during my preseason planning, right? You see players move around. You're like, Oh, I should have had, you know, I mean, for the, I mean, you know, the big one for me, and this is, we'll talk about this, um, certainly on the, on the pod. And I think it's one of the first ones we talk about is, is Chelsea. And the second they start, they kicked off. I was like, Oh, right. I don't have anybody from Chelsea. They're like yeah. best defense in the league. Um, you know, Mason, uh, not, um, Mason Mount. Mason Mount. Thank you. Uh, Mason Mount is 7.5 million, a very reasonable option for my team. And I just didn't really strongly consider them. And, um, yeah, so I think that there's a lot of things that just become clear even after a couple of weeks. And so, uh, but of course we're not firm on that yet. Right. Because it's, it's, it's still very early. And this is why, this is why the theme is things we think we think, not things we think we know or things that we know, (laughs) because, um, you know, it is, it is that funny, like last week I'm thinking, wow, relegated to the promoted teams are actually pretty good. And then now this week I'm kind of like, well, the promoted teams might not actually be that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, was was just like, is it just the home field advantage (laughs) like that? You know, so there are a lot of things that I think we're, we're starting to see. And I, and I, I think we're, I, you know, in my head, I'm starting to already think a little bit about wildcard. It's already starting to be in my head is not, not game week three, probably not. Ideally I wouldn't even do it till game week seven, honestly. Uh, but I've never minded an early wildcard. It's never been a factor for me. It's, it's, you know, I don't think it's a really good hurt my, my team. It's actually a great way to build value sometimes as well. And I think one thing we'll talk about in this pod is that a lot of teams with good early fixtures, things sort of flip a little bit. It was very extreme early on this season where you had some teams that just had truly awful starts. I mean, in Norwich in particular, like how they ended up with Liverpool at home, Man City away. Somebody's got to step season. in and yeah. uh, and reset the computer uh, yeah. <laughs> when they see Norwich's two fixtures are like that. They, yeah. they can't just let that be. Yeah, I, I agree. So and so in a team like that, like how do you how do you really assess Norwich? I thought they passed really well. Um, in game week one at home. And then of course they just got annihilated in, in game week two. And so which one is real? It's, you know, for a team like that, it's hard to tell, but I think with other, with other clubs and players, I think we, we have learned some, some useful things already. And we actually have, we've even pulled XG in a couple of cases, Brandon, how often do you and I pull XG? Very rarely. <laughs> you know, it's a special <laughs> occasion when we pull out the XG. It's true. Yeah, exactly. So 10 things we think we think, uh, let's get right into it. I do want to do a quick thank you to, um, our newest, uh, Patreon supporters, um, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash always cheating. As an added bonus, we're doing two bonus podcasts this upcoming week. We're doing an NFL fantasy podcast. If you're interested in NFL fantasy or want to dip your toe in ahead of that season, you can listen to that pod. I'm going to be educated myself because it looks like I'm doing NFL fantasy for the first time in like 20 years. Wow. So that'll be quite the wild ride for me. I, maybe like 17 years. It's been a long time. 
so we're doing that, uh, and uh, we're doing our regular Game Week 3 preview podcast that we try to do after um, some of the uh, all press the, conferences. All, all the midweek news yeah. and uh, do do the roundup, and then we've, we've got, speaking of that clarity you were talking about, Josh, yeah. is a different kind of clarity at the end of the week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's some like COVID stuff that a little more than I was expecting. I have to say, I didn't think it would be. Uh, I thought the fan issue would be a bigger problem, but it's actually really more uh, the players. These fans need to be know. worried about catching COVID from the players on the pitch or something. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, quick thank you though, and so you get the bonus pods, Slack, all that stuff that we talked about a million times before. I do want to thank our newest patrons though, new Volkswagen patron Danny Collins, Lord Soroff, Timmy P. TJ Cloutier, I think he's like a five-time uh, bracelet winner at the World Series of Poker. No big Nick, deal. Nick Chaquin, Hannah Jones, D'Angelini, Laurie, Karen Taylor, George West, Ryan Doran, Tyron Kidney, Barca, Niall or Neil Coughlin. I never know how to say that name. Uh, it's just not a name that anybody – no one has that name in America, so I never I never quite know how to say it. Uh, Nathan Delgado, Greg Waddell, and Sam Driver, and then our newest Pookie patron is Daniel Davis. Thank you to everybody Thanks, who supports guys. the podcast. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back and do the 10 things we think we think ahead of Game Week 3. All right, Brian, we're back. 10 things we think we think ahead of Game Week 3. Okay. First one is, Samikas did a great job, and now he has to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Samikas, for your service. It's yeah. been great. I mean, you you. Th- would have to think the late substitution for Samikas in front of the cop, he gets a standing ovation from the fans. That's that's Jurgen saying, thanks, Samikas. You've you've filled in for Rabo quite admirably beyond admirably. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that that that's just not Rabo's position until he sure. chooses to leave the club or the club yeah. chooses for him to it's leave. Fantastic player, hugely important everything they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So um I I feel like there are other 4.0 midfielders that we could target as replacements here who might be uh, longer standing. It is a shame that the best 4.0 asset seems to be the one that has the the shortest shelf life in the game. But, um, yeah, we've got a few questions from our listeners that touch upon this, and then maybe we can get into some potential Samika's replacements, Josh. AJ asks, which of any defender should we be getting between Samika's RIP, Ben White, out with COVID, Veltman also with the Rona. Uh, Luke Shaw is really not delivering at the five point five yeah. price tag, and it's Luke, and two bonus points. But hey, yeah, yeah, right. And it's like you could say, all right, he's not delivering the FPL points, but also as you watch Luke Shaw play, you're like, well, I don't see them coming anytime soon. Uh, which which is the bigger worry with Luke Shaw is just yeah. the general form. It's like form. he looks, yeah. It's like he looks good, and I know, I know, like the the stats. I mean, clearly, like he was doing some things well, uh, you, you, you know, because he he did pick up those bonus. But it just doesn't feel like the way it feels with like Reese James today, right? Where it just feels like that, like that to me is what a fullback who's like on fire, like that. Yeah. You know, that's no, no. Maybe it's a little unfair because James had you know, such a good day today, but it was like. That's, you know, Robbo, Trent, like those are, you know, those are the players that, that I feel like you really, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm holding him up to, to 7 million players. standards only 5.5, but he is a little, a little bit frustrated. Anyway, I, I want to keep this on Simicus though, Brian, we could talk about Luke Shaw <laughs> well, and our concerns yeah. all night. Are, are we, are we, are we overlooking what's right under our nose? Shane wants to know with Robertson coming back, are we missing a trick and not just giving more consideration to bringing him in? Right. Uh, 
So you know, it's kind of like we'll just replace Sabikas with Robertson. It's as simple as that. I'd say yeah. the uh, the problem there is money seems to be the the biggest concern yeah. in FPL right now. As in, nobody has enough of it. It's crazy. I don't even know how I would get to Sun. You know, let alone Lukaku. Let alone yeah. you know. It's uh, this is why I mean a, a wild card suddenly becomes an option. And yeah, I mean as long as you're going to hold on to Shaw and Bruno, right? If you if you do Bruno out. It does open up some possibilities. A sell out seems like a harder sell to me. Um, Bruno, honestly, is a pretty hard sell to me too. I mean, he, he's a he's a week off a hat trick, guys. Like, and honestly, if Paul Pogba hadn't gently touched on um, that ball to Greenwood, yeah. uh, I think that uh, you know he, he picks up an assist and at least the narrative changes a little bit on him. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the 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 Samikas issue is that I, I I agree that I think he's probably not going to be an option anymore. And with Veltman out as well, and Alma Bamadeli, who I me and many others threw into our squads and looks like he is, uh, you know, he's a 19 year old. I, I just, uh, I mean, Grant Hanley was quite poor. I thought yesterday and, and that, and the, um, uh, the way it matched way to man city, like yeah. even, even by like, yeah, we're going to get waxed today. Standards. I thought yeah. he was pretty poor. So, I mean, it's possible that, that he comes in, but I, I think ultimately I'm in a position where I may have only two starting defenders uh, next week. And I, I suspect a lot of people are in the same position with Norwich. It was like, all of their defenders were like, we don't want to be the ones in the foreground or the background in the poster that they're going to be making of all of the goals that Manchester City is going. <laughs> it's like it's like all the 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 a Carl Malone or Michael Jordan poster that we might have had in our bedroom. You don't want to be the defender that's getting dunked on in that poster that everyone's putting up above their bed. And it was like yeah. all the all the Norwich defenders were like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to step aside in that. Yeah. That's just tough. And maybe, maybe I'm sure like halfway through that match, they're like, you know what? You know, what's great about this. We only have to play Liverpool and Man City two more times. Yeah. <laughs> the final 36 weeks right. of the season, like we're, we're, it's over now. So I think when it comes to Samikas though, um, and it would be great if Veltman um, came back and got um, recovered enough from COVID. And I mean, you know, it sort of depends on, I'm, I don't want to do too much COVID talk here, but it, you know, I think it depends on whether he was vaccinated, how long he'll have to be out for, all that stuff. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what the situation is there with with Veltman. And um, but if, if he doesn't play, then I, I have to make a transfer to defender this week. For me personally, I think Samikas has to go. I've got 1.5 million in the bank. I don't really want to spend the full 5.5 because I have all these attacking players that I want to start bringing in. And I'd like to have a little more money to maybe do something with Ivan Tony as well. Maybe move him to 7.5 million uh, forward. Or, you know, the Lukaku, I think, is just going to have to wait for a few more weeks. Yeah. And and I'm going to try to go without without Son as well. And so I'm just going to try. I mean, maybe like, you know, like Raul Jimenez or something stands out. He was pretty right. active today. So I, ideally, I would find someone who's 4 million or 4.5 who could just sort of do a job and that's how i typically like to play with my defenders I have a couple expensive ones and a couple that i can just sort of rotate in and out yeah. so but the, the options are a real mixed bag especially specifically looking at game week three um i could go webster and then i would have three brighton defenders which seems a little heavy it's that's too much a little too much you can go Levermento, who has uh started two matches now for for southampton looks like he's probably holding down that spot, at least yeah. for now. It's not like he's like just a fill-in for an injured player. So, you know, I think that Levermento could could be an easy option. I think of, of between Levermento and Duffy, I would certainly go Levermento because I think he's got a, sl- a longer chance of staying, you know, also, starting for a long time. Big, big fan of any player that also sounds like a refreshing soft drink. So uh, <laughs> uh, this Levermento's for you, Josh. <laughs> uh, you have, uh, so how about Marsal? I mean, that that is not a name I've heard people talk about too much, but I thought he had some moments today. 
Yeah. I don't know. That is a that is a negative, good buddy. Uh, if if I'm doing anything with the Wolves' defense, I'm going after their goalkeeper, who, you know, shades of uh, Martinez. Like mm-hmm. he 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 looks like he's ready for for, for yeah right right saw. Um, a great horror franchise just became a, a great goalkeeper at Wolverhampton. <laughs> it's, it's, it's S.A., but yeah. <laughs> um, Jose but, Sa. <laughs> but I, I think he looks like a real save machine, very athletic keeper. And I see more points coming from him than I would Marsal. Yeah. And and that is even assuming that you want a piece of the Wolves defense. Now, it was just like uh, it, it just just to spend one moment on Wolves. It was incredible. Yeah, uh, what they did uh, to Spurs without being able to win. So I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm giving their defense short shrift, but I just like that Wolves have never had the best uh, defense as far as fantasy is concerned. I think that my feeling right now is I'm not sure that I'm seeing a ton of clean sheets out there, uh, especially for any of these sub sub 5 million defenders, really sub 5.5 million. Let's see how Sufal looks tomorrow. He's 5 million. He's he's a player I'd strongly consider. Uh, But if I'm just not feeling like I'm going to get clean sheets, but I need someone who can actually start, I would like to have some attacking returns as well. And so it actually, Luke Ayling to me stands out as a player that I might consider, uh, even though Leicester have just been just, you know, conceding goals with a boatload. I will see your Luke Ailing and raise you a Rico Henry because uh, Rico being a fullback, a wingback for Brentford, he passes the test of who's that in the 18-yard box in the mm. attack? Oh, mm. it's Rico Henry. He was popping up so far forward for Brentford. And Brentford is just like an interesting attack in that you know, we're we're talking about what do we do with Ivan Tony because the, the goals aren't coming from him. Brentford just he seems to be kind of like letting the attack come from wide areas. And yeah. I would be shocked if if Henry doesn't have a goal and a handful of an ass, of assists by the time we get to twenty twenty two. So, you know, I and and looking at Brentford's fixtures, it's Villa, Brighton, Wolves before they get to Liverpool in, in game week seven or thereabouts. So it's not, it's not terribly frightening. Luke Ayling is is your boy, Josh. He's your I just guy. Like him, I like I like that I like that flowing mane. You know, I like I like his style. I like, I like that it looks like he's he's going to be able to actually stay at the right back spot, which has been he's been kind of filling in. Although now, I mean, who knows? It's, it's it's a real mess in that defense. But if I was just looking for a cheap attacking defender, I think that he's one that mm-hmm. that that would stand out. I mean, the real answer would be, I mean, I don't know, like maybe. Part of the problem, too, when it comes to these defensive transfers this week is, you know, like Chelsea would be an obvious place to look, but Chelsea do play away to Liverpool, and I don't see that as a great clean sheet opportunity. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if that was a nil-nil, but I just don't really want to spend $1.5 million on a upgrading a defender away to Liverpool for the first match. And I'll say that quickly, um, Chelsea-Liverpool in game week three immediately follows the inter- – what immediately follows is the international break. Right. So if Chelsea and or Liverpool went from that difficult fixture into a run of great fixtures sort of seamlessly, then I'd be more interested in jumping on a Chelsea asset in game yeah. week three. But the fact that it's all interrupted by the international break, you don't necessarily know what resulting the resulting fallout is going to be from travel and yeah. quarantine or, or fitness or anything like that. Um, I, I think 
yeah, I think I agree just kind of shying away from the Chelsea defense here and, and cheap, 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 because I'm excited to talk about like, how do we fit in more attackers? Because we have yep. so like goals flying in from so many midfielders and, uh, and forwards that the defense just feels like a great place to, to save money. I think I speak from a, a lot of managers right now where I probably am already overextended budget wise in my defense. And I need to really um, rectify that. What about, um, I'll be interested to see if Castagna starts tomorrow um, and if that's just how things are going to be uh, with, with the um, with the luster defense or maybe he could actually play. I mean, Castagna is interesting because sometimes he plays as a as a, um, as a right wing back or he plays as a center back, depending on whether mm-hmm. they're playing you know, three of the back system. Sure. Um, so if he um, if if Justin Thomas got another start. Um, and it looked like they were going to just like let Justin Thomas actually have a chance to win that left wing back spot yeah. uh, at 4.5 million. And they played Norwich in game week three. I don't think that he would be a terrible shot. I, I do think that comes with some risk though, because you could in theory see um, Castagna on the right and, uh, and Pereira on the left. And then Thomas would, would sort of be out of a spot there. Leicester's going to be in the conversation a lot with Norwich in game week three. And then after City in game week four, they've got Brighton, Burnley, and Crystal Palace in a row. So, yeah. 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 That's, that is. Last, last one. All right. Jaffet Tanganga. Can I interest you in a Tanganga? No, you can't because um, it was funny. Like I, my takeaway from Tanganga against Man City was he was in that, that uh, Aaron Juan Basaka role of like, oh, your, your brief is no one gets by you. Mm-hmm. And he did a great job of tackling the city players. And um, we just didn't think that Tengega had much about him in the attack. And he had a, a, one of the better crosses that Spurs had in the second half. So I guess like I'm selling him short there. However, <laughs> I think if you're looking at that Spurs defense, uh, Regayan at 5.0 is the standout. And that's one of those situations where I think I've got to argue, make that FPL argument of why not pay 0.5 more to get the better yeah. uh, fantasy asset. And I, I think that would be Regayan. But I do think that we're going to touch upon yeah. Spurs defense in, in one of our you other talking let's, points. Let's cheat here a little bit, Brian. I'm going to move up talking point number six because we're already on it. It makes sense just to do it. Uh, and so now number two is number six is number two, Brandon, which is okay. <laughs> even after back to back clean sheets, I'm not feeling the Spurs defense. I promised a little bit of XG, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, just a tiny bit. Like a, it's like a sprinkle. Like the, like, it's like when you get your eggs after you cook them, you sprinkle a little more salt on there just to I'm, make sure. I'm that thinking of the salt bay guy bouncing the salt, salt flakes exactly. off of his elbow. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the forearm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wolves, uh, XG. Because uh, they kept two clean sheets so far in this match. Anyone who saw the Spurs Wolves match today knows that it's um, kind of impossible that Wolves didn't score in that yeah. one. It's shocking. Yeah. Uh, Wolves XG was was one point five one today. Uh, City in game week one, their XG was two point one one. So uh, you're, you're talking about almost uh, in th- you know in a, in a normal sort of you know spread out and you know. What is it? infinite universe of infinite possibilities or whatever. Uh, there's a good chance that we're looking at a Spurs team that just conceded four goals in yeah. their opening two matches. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 I don't want to use the word luck, but cause I think that the, the, these two Spurs performances to open the league are kind of should be taken in their totality. And um, they've been good overall performances, but if you're looking at it from a shrewd FPL lens, I don't, 
I, I just don't feel like Spurs is anywhere close to the top of my list for defensive uh, investment for, for exactly those XG numbers. I think those XG yeah. numbers, you can use stats to tell all sorts of stories, but I think those do tell a story that match what my eyeballs were seeing yeah. watching the Spurs defense. Maybe I just don't have a third defender for game week three. Maybe I just, I just, I just ignore the whole position. <laughs> like rather than waste a transfer on some players going to get one point for me. Like, why don't I just yeah. ignore it and upgrade Ivan Tony to Dominic Calvert-Lewin or something. All right. With that Spurs almost short, but we spent a long time in the first one. So we're two in Brandon. Yeah. Number three is that we all need more Chelsea players. Talked oh about God. a little bit at the start of the pod. What are we doing? Why don't we have more Chelsea players? It was really kind of uh, crazy to see how transformative Lukaku was in in the middle of the pitch. And think about watching Chelsea as good as they were when Tuchel arrived last season, um, how aimless they could be in the attack with Timo Werner really just like continuously trying to find his sea legs. And Chelsea uh, Sunday... And they 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 were able to the midfield was able to find Lukaku. Lukaku was fi- able to find every channel. He was able to receive the ball for he the most so part. So um, he just he looked incredible, and Chelsea looked incredible for it. And now defenses like not not just defenses, but entire starting elevens are going to have to figure out w- when they play Chelsea. What are we doing about Lukaku? Which I yeah. think frees up a really excellent Chelsea defense to a lock in a lot of clean sheets and B do what Marcus Alonso and Reese James have been doing uh, is getting attacking returns. Yeah. So you're thinking about Lukaku here from Chelsea uh, is going to score a ton of FPL points this season. You're also thinking of Rudiger, James, Alonso, Aspilicueta. Uh, so Luke Shaw is, is, is turning blue before my very eyes as I look at my my FPL team sheet here, uh, because that that's a Chelsea defender price tag if I ever saw one. Oh, so, totally. So who's the priority for us this week, Josh? I, it sounds like because Lukaku is going to take so much surgery mm-hmm. for most of our teams to find out how to get him in. An easy, quick win looking ahead to game week three is. Uh, is a Chelsea defender, though I realize I'm kind of talking in circles because we just kind of said, let's put a pin in Chelsea until after the international break. But I think you understand my point. The yep. The easier win in, a, in the more immediate Chelsea transfer would be a defender until we figure out the yep. best possible way yeah. for Lukaku to come in. I think the Liverpool match is tricky, but game week four, uh, they host Aston Villa. I would expect them to keep a clean sheet in that one. Game week five, away to Spurs, probably a pretty good chance of a clean sheet there. Game week six, home to Man City. Maybe that one's a little less likely. And then and then it really begins um, a really incredible run in game week seven. Uh, just a you know extraordinary run of of good matches that uh, that it'll be really interesting actually because it'll it'll coincide with the the beginning of the Champions League. And so I think we will start to see some pretty heavy Tuchel rotation. Although we're already kind of starting to see it. I mean, Ben Chilwell just on the bench you know, again today. I was a little surprised. And you know, Marcus Alonso, I, I felt like he had sort of officially lost that spot to Chilwell, but I mean, obviously Alonso did score in game week, uh, game week one, but I, I don't even know. I wouldn't, I still wouldn't recommend bringing Alonso in. It feels too, way too risky to me. Um, despite, yeah. despite the, you know, this, this attacking potential and Reese James is another one. I, I, I suppose I feel like he's maybe a little bit safer now. I, feel, I mean, he was, he was so good today. It's hard yeah. to be like, Oh yeah, Reese James is only going to play 
one of the next four, <laughs> you know, clearly he's going to well, be a, a key player. This is the way I've been thinking about it is, uh, you look at Manchester city and you say Ruben Diaz is the, probably the most locked in outfield player for them. But is he boring because there are no attacking returns? Well, we obsess over attacking returns from defensive assets, typically from uh, mid-table and lower-table teams because clean sheets are relatively uncertain from these sides. So you want to increase your odds of getting points returns from from these these mid-to-lower-table teams by getting the, the fullbacks, the attackers. When you're talking about Ruben Diaz and then Rudiger at Chelsea, you're expecting these two teams to get at least 20 clean sheets this season. It's a lot of FPL returns. And if you can mitigate risk of rotation by bringing in what you might perceive as the more boring asset, I do think... Uh, you'll actually end up getting more FPL points for it in the long run too. So I think that's the case to make for a player like Rudiger over right. James, Alonzo, Chilwell, etc. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's yeah, I think that's true. It just it's so frustrating when those really expensive players don't play, especially if you're lacking in a little bit of bench depth, which I think is both both of our problems, right? I think it's many people's problems. I mean, it's, it's only going to get worse. I mean, I, you know, we talked about Lukaku and we haven't really talked about him too much yet because it was an amazing moment near the end of that match where Lukaku was so good. It was like the entire black horse, like the bar we were at was just like, it was like, like grown, like moaning, like in the, like, like that sports fan ecstasy where it's just like, he was so good. And everyone was just yeah. like, Oh my, like, it was just like, even when he didn't score, it was like, you just, it was like watching them set up for goals. It's just, you know, he has a, a, a true, you know, square peg for a square hole. It's just such a perfect fit in that team. And yeah, yeah so I think it's gonna be great. And so this moment near the end where you, me and two others, all very cool guys, obviously pull out our phones <laughs> and start trying to figure out uh, how we're going to fit Lukaku into our team. And it's like, you're cutting into bone, you yeah. know, it's like, where, where are you going to, where are you going to do it? It's it, unless you just have to decide that you're okay with, with dropping Bruno. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not. And so I don't really know what else to do. I mean, dropping Trent, I guess would be an option. That's the only other way to do it. Is it an apt metaphor to say getting Lukaku in would be like, you've got two pretty strong arms that you're going into a fight with. Yep. To get Lukaku in at this point with FPL, it's like, well, cut off one of those arms and replace the other one with just a bigger arm. So instead of two pretty good arms, you just got one big arm. (laughs) It's not probably not the best strategy for a fight to just go in swinging with one arm. Um, However, it looks pretty cool and it feels pretty cool. Yeah, Um, that's kind of kind of how I'm feeling about it right now. It's like I don't want to uh, cut cut out uh, important parts of my FPL team just to fit in this one player who, um, you know, I think we've got a whole season to try to sort of figure out what yeah. that strategy is going to be. Exactly. As good as he looked today, he still finished on eight points, right? He and he and Danny Ings, who's 3.5 million cheaper, yeah, still, right. still tied mm-hmm. on points. And, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's also 3.5 million cheaper, they, they, he was one, had one fewer point, right? So yeah. it is, yeah, it's tempting. And then you just have to sort of think, is he really in these next handful of fixtures going to get, double digit returns consistently and are you going to captain him and if the answer is no in both cases then i think you could probably get away with it and then in game week seven let's see where we are i mean if if, you know if bruno continues to bang then maybe you maybe you do cut into the bone and you just have this like really lopsided team but i think most 
what'll happen is you'll have a couple of injuries, right? Something will happen uh, or somebody's going to lose their form. Uh, one, of, one of the, one of the more expensive players in your team, I mean, like Mason Greenwood, I, I, I can't see him losing his spot anytime soon, but like, let's say it happened. Maybe he gets downgraded to a 2.5. Like it can be done. It's just, it's, it's, it's not easy to do. And again, I'm not going to give up Mason Greenwood to have Lukaku when Mason Greenwood outscored Lukaku by two points this week, right? Yeah, for, right. for 4 million cheaper. So, um, yeah, you do have to think about what you're giving up when it comes to, um, you know, bringing in these. And players. the narrative this week based on that Manchester United performance is probably going to be, let's give up Bruno, right? The Bruno camp is going to come out sure. and, and make that case. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but yeah. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of. And, I'm um, in yeah. general agreement, Josh. I think it's too soon to. This are, these are just things we think we think. The, yeah. Well, underline no, the point I, that we don't know anything. No, I agree, though. I mean, you know, and Bruno plays, uh, they, they play Newcastle at home in game week four. It's going to be really hard not to have Bruno for that match, right? That's just a phenomenal. Everyone will be captain. Newcastle are silly. They're a silly team. Uh, uh, and. <laughs> actually, wait, who did Liverpool play for now? Uh, they, oh, God, Liverpool will play away to Leeds. Like 19 goals in that match. That's gonna be incredible. <laughs> back back to the heady days of game week one. Uh we are. Okay, so it's I feel like we've punted on the Chelsea uh thing we think we think uh enough. So shall yeah. we move on to yeah. number four? I think so. And yeah, and I guess the point where there was just to get them some overdue love and say that we're both really thinking about how to fit them in eventually. Number four is that Man United's defensive midfield is affecting the entire team. And it's it's really creating a problem, and I and I I came in a little harsh on Luke Shaw earlier today, and you know, God bless him. He's you know he, it was he got two bonus points in one of those matches where Mason Greenwood picked up three bonus points on twenty one bonus, which anybody who tracks the bonus point system knows that it's very unusual for a player with twenty one points to pick up all three bonus. It kind of points to a bad match, basically. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, it just that no one did well, basically, and so that that's when a, that's when a, a defender can pick up. It's almost always in a one one like that. So, the and then Nemanja Matić, Nemanja Matić looked like before the game, somebody took him aside and said, "All right, Matić, this is a football." This is what we're going to be kicking around today. Um, You got to wear these special shoes now. uh, And (laughs) you got to wear the shirt at all times that has your number and your name on it. Okay. I mean, God bless him. He used to be an amazing player. You know, (laughs) eight eight or nine nine years ago when he was absolutely bossing it for Chelsea, he was phenomenal. And, and now they just, they, they decided not to solve that problem in the off season. And I think it's really, you, I just think you really saw it today. I mean, I, you think that that goal that got conceded. I mean, maybe Bernard doesn't have to track back, you know, and and, and have his pseudo tackle foul, whatever we're, whatever we're calling that uh, thing that led to Shea Adams' goal. He was a tracking back there. He collected the ball like uh, fifty yards away from the the, the goal. Yeah, but I I, yeah. I I understand the point that you're making. It, it uh, you kind of like if if you're going to play that system where Bruno and Pogba are just uh, like Harlem globetrotting, globetrotting yeah. their way up 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 the pitch, they the defense needs shielding. And I think they looked much better with Scott McTominay and yeah. McTominay was the one who started against Leeds. I don't think yeah. we can chalk that entire performance up to, to just McTominay, uh, Matic starting over McTominay. But yeah. that is, that is if, if the defense nor the attack have any confidence in Fred and whoever's buddying up with Fred, it's going to cause a lot of anxiety and problems. Yeah. And your flair players like Bruno and Pogba, as you mentioned, are going to have 
they're they're just not, as we saw, not emotionally equipped to deal with these the yeah. full spectrum of things happening on the pitch. Didn't feel like they were mentally ready for that match. I have to say, and but I, I, just to me, the, the the big issue here is just that I mean, I the, you know, you hit the seventy minute mark in that match, and I think with Tom and it came out even even like later than that, um, and and the match was kind of over from there, and it was sort of Southampton just kept winning the ball. They just, you know, it was like they just, there just wasn't anyone in Man United who I felt like could sort of, I mean, Paul Pogba is, I mean, this is what happens when it's like, yeah, it's cool to see him up there and picking up five assists in two matches, but it means that you don't have Paul Pogba in the middle of the pitch anymore. And I feel like that's, that's the problem is like you, it's like, it's like we were talking about with bringing in Lukaku. It's like, it's like exactly the same situation. Basically is so you took, you took money from your midfield and put it in your forward line and now you have sacrificed, and you're seeing the result of that in the midfield. And I just yeah. wonder if, with the with the better defensive midfielder, I, I wonder if if that's a win for Man United today instead of a instead of a draw. Right. So the problem with it, it's there there are good still there's still good news with Manchester United in that Bruno will still score 200 plus points this season, and Mason Greenwood looks really great. So FPL, it's kind of like good news. Bad news, like IRL for Manchester United fans, in that they're never going to win the league with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as their manager. Ooh, those are some some strong <laughs> words, Brandon, for some I mean, people out there. When you yep. when you see all the players out there losing their minds because yeah. they they can't control their emotions because presumably they just don't know what they're meant to be doing. Yeah. Um, and if it's not going their way, then everything starts to yeah. short circuit. Um, I don't the, really, I don't really disagree with you, but I am conscious that it's like criticizing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is like such a third rail with Man United fans. They will not. It's very unusual. It's very unlike most most supporter groups spend a lot of time being mad at their manager. Yeah, and there's a real defensiveness around OGS where people really don't want to criticize him. I guess I mean obviously he's at least a you know club legend. Sure, so. and I don't dispute that, and that's fine. Like that, that is my personal opinion, and the. The goal is not for me to say what I'm saying is 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 fact. These Obviously, are things you think I'm, you think. These I mean. are things I think I think, <laughs> and yeah, and I I more than welcome uh, people to think uh, the opposite and to let me know that that's great. Yeah. So, I, but I think the bigger issue here is that the defensive midfield also is not shielding the defense, and it makes uh, it it makes it a little harder to have any defenders in Man United's team. And it's sort of the tradition going the season was like, well, like yeah, it's they're only 5.5 million. Maybe we should have Shaw and McGuire. Like let's, let's go all in here. And I just, I, I know that they only, only conceded two goals and I don't want to draw ma- major conclusions just, just from, you know, two matches so far. But I mean, for me personally, if I was wild carding, there's no chance I'd have my you know, defender, my team, you know, yeah. if I was wild carding game week three, they, I would absolutely not have my United defender. I would, I, I don't care that they have two pretty decent matches coming up. I just, I want out. I, it just feels like there's there's a, a shakiness at the back, and it starts with that defensive midfield position. It kind of leaks. Yeah. Now maybe Varane comes in and everything changes. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, but again, it, it doesn't seem like the center backs are the problem right now. It feels like it's yeah. really more of a, of yeah. a you know, the the, the, mid, the the midfield. Like you know. Okay, so Manchester United had a flyer in game week one. Now we've identified what we think might be a few problems with their squad. That's the thing we think we think. Mm-hmm. Moving on to uh, thing number five. Josh, and that is many of us will be wild carding by game week eight. That's the thing we think we think. And Boston Prof has this question. I had originally thought I would wild card in the first international break, which of course we'll notice happening after game week three, after we see the trends and budget enablers. But there are so many things we still 
uh, we still have to know, like Harry Kane coming back and great teams with tough upcoming fixtures, notably Chelsea playing Liverpool in game week three. The bottom line is I don't know if there are enough knowns and there are still too many unknown unknowns. So Boston Prov is kind of on our level here, Josh, in terms of yeah. trying to think of things we think we think and the understanding <laughs> of we don't really know things we we know or don't know. Yeah. Where does that leave us with our wild card planning? Because yeah. it seems like this international break, which is often a popular time to trigger your first wild card, yeah. um, is coming too early for us. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just feel like my whole team right now is a kind of it's like like many people. I had a really good opening game week one, you know, 100 and I think it was 102 points all told or 101, whatever it was. And um, and, and a pretty decent game week, too. But it, it feels it really feels like a house of cards right now. And it feels like I I'm, I'm can't it's I, I need to solve it soon because I have a basically like no bench. Uh, I've got Beltman who, who knows what's going on there. Brownhill who pretty clear already isn't, isn't, you know, I mean, he's, you're going to get what you're going to get from him, but he, he hasn't even started one of the first two matches. And so that's a little nerve wracking. Um, and Oma Bonamadelli, who I, I really don't feel like is going to start either. Um, I have Ben Rama who let's see how he looks, but you know, it's, it's just a lot of like risk in my team right now. A lot yeah. of like, I, you know, a lot of like, bring him in and let's see what happens, which it feels a little, you know, Tony is in that category as well, certainly. And uh, Luke Shaw, I've talked about already. Samikas needs to go. Um, Ings still jury's out a little bit, even though he scored two and two. I mean, it's just, it's, you worry a little bit about how Villa look at the moment. It's certainly not going to move before the Brentford match, but I think after that um, he could go. And so I look at my team and I, th- I see seven, eight players who, I would like to move soon. And as over the next few weeks, we're going to learn a lot about, I mean, okay. And it's not exactly like the most controversial thing to say that we're going to start wildcarding soon. Like that is something that's going to start happening across the board. But I think a lot of us happening right now, Josh, as we speak. Yeah. But I think a lot of us, when you have a good start, there's temptation to just like kind of write it out until everything falls apart. And, (laughs) but I'm just saying, I can see it's like, you know, it's like if I'm on like a little, like, um, you know, like a little like, jalopy and it's like the, the wheel, and the, the wheel in the back is starting to like wiggle uh-huh. and you know, it's yeah. going to fall off soon. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I think I'm going to be in a position within the next three weeks or so where I'm just going to want a wild card to get out of that before everything comes apart. It's so easy though, to look at your team and focus on what you don't like about it, as opposed to look at your team and say what it is that you are missing, what it is that you need. So while, you know, I, I wouldn't argue against an early wild card just to fix problems and to get a better car, as you say, Josh, but mm-hmm. I would argue against um, wild carding just because you want to get rid of a bunch of people. Because what will happen is you'll get rid of a bunch of players and you'll bring in other players who present right. the same problem. So, yeah, a wild card for me means you're in a position where you're getting rid of those players you've definitely identified as is as uh can be upgraded and you know who the upgrades are right. who you're bringing in that that's true and that's why i'm not planning to wild card into game week three but i i think it will happen pretty pretty soon i i would say maybe four five six certainly when chelsea's fixtures change i think that's that's a really logical time to wild card um and i mean the other the other point here the other, like the other reason to to make these moves early is um, you're not going to be able to afford all the players you want unless you, you know, unless you move fairly early because there is a team value component here too, right? These players are just going to keep, like, this just happens every season, right? Like a player goes off and 
they shoot up 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 in price yeah. over a couple of weeks. And then you talk yourself out of them, right? Because you're like, oh, now he's too expensive. I don't want him. Our friend Danny at the Black Horse today was, uh, we were challenging everyone, how can you bring in Lukaku? And he was like, haha, I cracked it in two transfers. And uh, then he was like, oh, bloody hell. Uh, he was 0.1 short because Ben Rama had gone up by 0.1. Right, uh, right. And, and to your point, Josh, of, of like every little bit of money can can matter in that situation. All right, so let's take a quick break. We'll get back. We've got five more things we think we think to discuss. Brandon Kelly, taking a break here, talking about Fantasy Football Hub. Talk to me, Josh. Yes. Fantasy Football Hub is a fantastic... I, I, I paused because I was gathering my thoughts there, Brandon. Sure. What, do I want to call it a fantastic site, a superb site, a wonderful site, a wonderful resource? Is it, is it even a website, Brandon, or is it a composite... Repository? It's a way of life, Josh. Yeah, exactly. It's a place where one goes to get stats and data and and meet people and meet great fantasy managers. So fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always is where you can go to get 25% off the tier of your choice. You can access the thinking of the greatest fantasy minds managing today. They share their strategy and their teams, their thoughtful articles and videos. I, you know, and they have their podcasts as well. Uh, I'm more of a podcast person. Yeah, I know you, you like a lot of YouTube stuff and I, Love me I, some YouTube, I, yeah. I feel like I'm 65 years old when it comes to YouTube. I'm like, whoa, there's like way too much stuff going on here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, so they've got that and they just have straight up articles too. So if you're looking for, um, I, I end up doing a lot of my fantasy reading um, like when I'm in bed, like it's like I'm trying to get myself to fall asleep. I'll end yeah. up like pulling up a couple of quick articles. And so uh, tons of that stuff on there. You can access all their data, including real OptiStats. You and I both love using the OptiStat ticker on the on the hub. It's really easy to, to gather data and, mm-hmm. and pull it. It's really useful for us for the podcast, actually, just to be able to pull it very cleanly and, and mm-hmm. drop it in somewhere else. So um, they also have gaming planning tools, advanced fixture tickers, and custom spreadsheets. Masterminded with legendary Ben Crell and I, was on a chat with him recently and you said, well, I think he's done literally like it was like 700 of these already so far this season. So <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, pretty extraordinary. Uh, yeah. You can chat with other managers as well through private WhatsApp groups and just, and just going on the, the various forums to talk to them as well. And they have an app. So once again, fantasy football slash always is where you can go to get 25% off the fantasy football hub tier of your choice. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, better back. Five more things we think we think. This is our like the lightning round version. We put the heavy hitters at the top. Okay. Mm-hmm. So number six is Jack Grealish might, strangely enough, be the only viable attacking asset at Man City. Possibly. Is it Gabriel Jesus, though? I mean, well, okay. So he didn't even start in game week one. You know? This is okay. Yeah. So on the one hand, yeah, uh, Grillo, he started two in a row. He scored today. I, I really still don't know what to take away from that City Norwich match. It was just like incredible the time and space Gabriel Jesus had in the first minute of the match and also the 70th minute of of yeah. the match. Um, yeah. he had a and then Grealish's goal. Uh, Okay, I don't. I don't want to. There's no point in me hemming and hawing about this. Uh, Jack Grealish's price of eight million is cool. It's great, and the fact that he's starting for a title contender at that price, playing the position as he does, is great. And <laughs> I, I'm, but I, why am I still not convinced, Josh? I don't really know, to be honest. Um, I mean, I, I know the, the goal that he scored was not a very aesthetically pleasing goal, but uh, sometimes you just need to get off the get off the mark, you know, and like mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of great. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's a great goal scorer. He's not. Uh, but a lot of uh, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of people. So what are who, we talking about? Well, it's just, I, I think he's going to be right in the mix all the time. I mean, he's, first of all, he's, he's like the only player who's actually played like more than 150 minutes in their yeah. in their you know advanced forward line, and it feels like you, you can put him in a bunch of different spots, right? You can put him at central midfield, attacking mid. I mean, not central central midfield, but you can put him like you know like in front of the defensive midfielder. You can put him on the left. You can play him. Um, I don't. I, I just. I mean, I guess it's just really those two spots, but that that. Yeah. That includes like four different spots, basically, yeah. right? Like four different places where you could slot him in. And I, I just, I just, I also do think he's really good. I mean, there's this kind of like temptation because that price tag was so big to be like, well, Jack Bush is a hundred million player, but maybe that's a little unfair to him because whatever price was on him, he is a really good player. And he, you know, if, if he was 8 million for what, what's funny is that if he were 8 million for Aston Villa, you'd be like, oh yeah, this guy's like straight into my team. And it's the man city worry a little bit that like they're going to spread the goals around. But yeah. you know, as long as they're, you know, if they're going to have more days like this where they score five goals in a match, you just, you know, it'd be nice to get in on that. And Mares too risky, Sterling too expensive, KDB way too expensive and, and battling some injuries right now. Baron Torres, I don't trust him. Gundogan, don't trust him. Bernardo Rodrigo, not even on the table, right? Bernardo's probably going to leave. And Jesus is like an every other week starter. So almost by default, Grealish ends up becoming the only player to consider. So I'm thinking about it one way where I am seeing why would I replace a Ben Rama or a Greenwood or a Jota with Grealish because Grealish is a little bit more expensive and I'm probably getting the same output from all those players I just mentioned. Right. The more positive way for me to think about it would be going back to our Lukaku conversation of, oh, right, if I move Bruno or Sala to Jack Grealish, I'm saving a considerable amount of money to improve my team elsewhere. 
that would work if uh, I see that Grealish is producing attacking returns on a pretty consistent right. basis. Yeah. So um, if Grealish starts producing assists and, uh, consistently, the occasional goal, yeah. then yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. But of course, that is sort of the game of fantasy, right? Like, yeah, I just describe like, how I yeah, play if fantasy. You're like, you're, you're like, if over the course of several weeks he gets lots of goals and assists, I'm going to consider for my team. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess, I guess, I guess the point I'm the uh, the ultimate point I'm driving at there is I'm just trying to sort out how Grealish fits into the structure of a fantasy squad right now. Is he yeah. a fill in for a premium mid, or is he yeah. an overpriced mid priced mid? I think you could maybe think of him a little bit in that Mason Greenwood category where there's a temptation to look at Mason Greenwood and be like, well, I don't necessarily know. He doesn't have a spot locked down. And so I'm not sure what, like, you know, how safe he is or whatever. And my counter to the Greenwood thing, which is what I've been saying all summer is he's too good not to play. Like he is, he's too, he's too positive. He's too, like, he, he does too many things well for him not to be a really like maybe he doesn't start every single match, although most players don't on top teams. Right. But he's going to start four to every five, I think, just because he's he's so good and does so many things well and so versatile. And I, I just think that Pep must see Grealish and think this is what I needed. I needed this energy. Right. I needed a player who's really positive, who does a lot of who tries stuff who is going to get in the box, who's going to run and run and run, who's going to win fouls. He just does so many things well that it's it's easy to see how even, you know, like even if he has a bad day, like a bad match, like, like yeah. Riyad Mahrez is always one big, like one missed chance away from being right in the doghouse with Pep, right? He missed a big opportunity. He's getting benched the next week. Like this is like a, like this yeah. is like a lock, right? But with Grealish, it feels like he's doing other things well and that he might make, make, make him a little bit safer. Of course, I realize game week three, Grealish could get benched. Totally possible. But I think based on what we've seen so far, it looks like he might actually be a good. I feel much better about him after game week two than I did game week one. And it has less to do with him scoring as much as him just being trusted by Pep to start both those matches. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, Greenwood can play number nine. Diogo Jota can play number nine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Saeed Benrama plays like almost in a two with Antonio based on what we saw in game week one and Grealish better player than probably all those players I just mentioned. However, you know, you talked about this with Chelsea last season, Chelsea started to look better and better under Tuchel, but we still couldn't quite pinpoint how are they going to score their goals? Yeah. And I think the problem that goes back to last season with Manchester city and why we all just basically rode the Diaz train was we knew City were going to score a lot of goals. We just didn't know how and through okay. who. Uh, and and so that's like the point of comparison, too, with Grealish is to these other FPL mid-price attackers where I kind of know uh, yeah. the path they're traveling on. And Grealish, it's it's less clear. That's true. I mean, it, w- it would be nice if he could play as a forward, uh, which I, I, I agree. I don't, th- I don't think that's uh, that's a spot that would make a lot of sense for him. He's not a natural goal scorer i would say he's not, he's not a great finisher i would say i mean he's he, he can he can score he scored plenty of goals in his career but i just don't he's not a yeah like you said he's not amazing i don't need to repeat what you just said but i, I do yeah. agree i mean he's only scored 15 goals in his premier league career it's just not it's, it's not necessarily his game um all right so let's let's move on though because i think there's there's that that's just like something to chew on a little bit and i think i mean it's just got, goes to one of my like kind of tenants of fantasy which is that if you start to feel really good about a player you should try to bring them in a couple weeks before you feel super confident in it because that's 
that's when like a lot of gains can be made, you know? So yeah. anyway, just, just throwing that out there. Uh, number seven is despite what we saw in game week one, you, Brandon Kelly, can survive <laughs> a differential yeah. captain fail. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, what is a differential, Brandon? A differential would be kind of going against the grain. Uh, the majority of FPL managers going into a game week are going to do this. Right. And your differential is to be something different, right. something that's not that. And a lot of people look for the differential because that can give you an edge. Because mm-hmm. if your differential does better than what the norm is that particular game week, then you're going to jump ahead of the pack. You're right. going to end up with 10, 15 more points than everybody else. Uh, so that's always what we're chasing. And looking at game week two, uh, I thought that we had a Patreon supporter cheekily ask who's the better captaincy option this week, Danny Ings or Riyad Mahrez. And um, LOL, because we only could talk about Bruno and Sala. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think what you and I learned, Josh, is that even though we went Bruno instead of Mo, uh, we didn't fall too much because Bruno got one point. But the other point would be uh, what I like about the season so far is there are lots of goals being scored, which is going to open up that cap captaincy discussion even wider than I think we had expected coming out of game week one. So uh, Bruno or Mo, it's, it's going to be one of the two, or I'm just going to leave it on Mo. Well, now you've got uh, a bunch of forwards who are making the case. So we're just mm-hmm. talking about City's attack. Um, and I, I think that's like that's a fun place for us to be in a season as managers where everybody's kind of doing something different because there are lots of different options. And, and hopefully that, that stays uh, true based on what we're seeing in game week two. I also think, and this isn't necessarily a strategic point, but, you know, we talk a lot about the make fantasy fun again ethos on this podcast and and it's it's something that's really important to me and i and in some ways it's an aspirational thing for me still right it's like we talk about a lot but it's also like something i have to try to remember and watching that liverpool match not captaining sala right who like it was virtually no i know you know you look cast a wide net 7.5 million managers it's it's not uniform but on facebook and and I don't know. I know said Facebook. I'm never tracking matches on Facebook, but like on, on, on like Twitter and our Slack, for example, it was like virtually everybody had had Salah, right? And so it felt like it was like I was like you know you and I had our blood packed, right? And it was like mm-hmm. it was like it was like the we were th- the resistance, yeah, the thrill of sweating out, yeah. uh, I, you know, sweating out a differential captain is such a fun feeling, especially when you pull it off. It is thrilling. Right. And, and yeah, well, okay. Bruno scored two points fewer the next day. And that's, that's a bummer. But for 20, we got, we got to have a full 24 hours. We were <laughs> pumped, right? We got to like, we experienced uh-huh. a lot of joy yesterday, yeah. getting excited yeah. about today's match. And who even cares what the end result was, right? <laughs> two points. We got to have a day of fun. We won Saturday, whatever the history <laughs> book Saturday. show, we yeah. won Saturday. Yeah. Maybe we lost the rest of the season. Yeah. But, uh, that's yeah. Fun. We won Saturday. You got two extra points. You know, I'll take the Saturday, right? <laughs> So, um, all right. So, uh, three more, three more things here. Um, the number eight is, uh, the 6.5 million and cheaper forward spot is a mess as mm-hmm. usual, but Adam Armstrong might be the best option in that range. I was really impressed with him in the this match. I know he didn't do anything FPL wise, but I was really impressed with how, you know, positive he was. I looked at Adam Armstrong, uh, in that, 
Man United fixture. And I was like, I have never seen a player look more like a league one player just f- physically. Yeah, total um, Ricky Lambert vibes. <laughs> but he's his play uh, was was uh, befitting the top division. And yeah, I was. It was the first time that I'd really seen him. I didn't catch much of Southampton the previous week. So it was my first time in game week two seeing him actually play. And I was really impressed. I thought he. Uh, he had lots of different aspects to his game from from pace to control to movement. And yeah. and you do get the real sense that he and Che Adams are going to work together. It's, some, it's almost like Che Adams playing alongside Danny Ings. Well, Danny Ings was just going to do his thing and be an elite finisher. And only when it was convenient was he going to pull Che Adams into the play. And now suddenly Che Adams is looking a little bit better because now he is wow. playing off of somebody who like they're they're doing something together you know what you I mean? said something positive about shea adams that has got to be <laughs> yeah. we gotta, we gotta save this podcast and send it to the library of congress or something to, to be enshrined yeah i mean the thing about armstrong too is that you know the way that because he joined southampton so late in the game we really didn't get a chance to talk about him at all he joined even after our forward spot right which we did a week before the season start you know or a week before our, our game week one preview came out so you know, I, I think he really was flying a, a little bit under the radar. I mean, this is a guy who scored 28 goals in 40 matches in the championship last year. It's only three fewer goals than than Tony. Um, so, and he, and he, you know, he's arguably going to, arguably, I don't know. Do, which team would you rather be right now, Southampton or Brentford? Brentford, for sure. I mean, just yeah, just it one. just seems more fun. I mean, South, so Southampton are like could easily prove us wrong. Like the narrative of Southampton coming into the season as well. You're just like selling all of your best players and, and where's the spirit of this club. And it just seems it it was a struggle to figure out what, what the narrative was for the fans and and, and for the team. And then you look at Brentford and they just have everything going for them. They've got this new stadium and cool manager, cool, cool manager. (laughs) And just, they're, they're also kind of a fun team to watch and a complete team. But uh, I would not be surprised at all. If going into game week 30, Southampton were in 14th place and Brentford were in 17th. And, you know, at that point I'm like, cool, I'll just like, be continue to be a Southampton fan. I think Emmanuel Dennis at 5.1 is probably still the pick in that, in that cheap spot just cause he is so cheap and, and enables, enables, you know, some more movement, but like, I mean, it, it makes it easier to bring in son or Lukaku, you know, if you, if you were to bring in someone like Dennis, but I, I think the, the reason I bring up Armstrong is it's not even, it's not even so much about him, but it's just, this is what we predicted would happen, which is that when you get two weeks into the season, and you'd suddenly want to reevaluate every single forward that you thought about already. And I just want to throw him out there as, as someone to at least at least start thinking about a little bit, right? Because they play Newcastle away in game week three. That's a pretty good fixture for him, right? And then West Ham at home in game week four, not bad either. Man City away in game week five, not great. But then Wolves at home in game week six. And so, I, I don't know. I just think that sometimes, again, we talk about this binary thing with the captains and Salah and, and Bruno and... And, you know, I mean, let's not pretend that game week one didn't happen. Like, you know, it's just because it didn't work out once doesn't mean that it, it, it can't ever. But I think when it comes to transfers, I think what you end up seeing a lot is like people get very fixed in their head. Like I am making this move. I am bringing in this player. Mm-hmm. And the Adam Armstrongs of the world sometimes get a little neglected. 
mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because he plays in the same team as James Ward Prowse, who's kind of the perennial example of this. Like no one ever talks about James Ward Prowse. Yeah. And Except he, fantasy managers. Yeah. But even us, I feel like you and I like never talk about on the pod. Really? He was yeah. your boy like eight years ago. He, yeah, yeah. Yeah. James Ward Prowse was fun when he was 4.5 to 5 million. And as soon as yep. he uh, became a serious player, it became much less interesting to talk about him. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah. And it's a little tricky with him right now because it was nicer when they had Ings, you know, a little bit more of a target man up there. Yeah. But but maybe Armstrong can be that guy. He's like a foot. He's like five foot five. But, you know, maybe I don't know. Mo Salah gets a lot of headers. You know, he's a you know, I don't know how he does it, but he's, he's great positioning, I guess. How uh, does he do it? <laughs> he wants it more. I don't know. Um, all right. Two more. And uh, number nine is that the fans are helping bottom half teams and we should adjust accordingly. And FPL, when I say bottom half, of course, I just mean play teams that we think are going to finish at the bottom half, you know, by the end of the season. Teams so. we think we think will finish in the bottom <laughs> yeah, half exactly. of the table. I was yeah. thinking about this as we were talking about Adam Armstrong because it goes hand in hand with the decision that we have to make about Ivan Tony and right. went back to that XG well, Josh, and mm-hmm. thinking of what happened to Brentford, who just took it to Arsenal in game week one. And they only had an XG of 0.71 against Crystal Palace in game week two. And uh, I think you have to chalk some of that up to them being at Selhurst Park, Crystal Palace, kind of being a team truly in transition under new management, lots of new players being totally G'd up by their fans in the Mm -hmm. stands and Brentford being cowed by that. So um, it's, it's totally true. You just that's just one example, and I think what's yeah. crazy about the last two game weeks is almost across the board, uh, you see um, each match being influenced by uh, the home and away advantage, and the yeah. exceptions tend to be, you know, Norwich just being a bad team in game week one, or just yeah. very lopsided fixtures where you would expect the result that you saw regardless yeah. of of home or away. I think the one thing it, it it's it and I think it affects less how I think about transferring in those players and it makes me think a little bit more about the captaincy and um I think today the the this weekend matches were a good example of that where it was just Sala had a you know had a goal chalked off I mean in some ways we did, we did get lucky clearly to 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 get away with with no returns there yeah um but it was they were at home you know they were they were at Anfield and the crowd was rocking and it was a lot of energy and I'm sure they fed off that in a big way, and 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 Bruno went into you know St. Mary's, and it was like they, they were they were coming at him, and I'm sure he was feeling that that way as well. I mean, you started to see it. You and I you watched some highlights before uh, we recorded today, and you see it in some of the celebrations already. You're starting to see the players do the angry celebration, like yeah. you know, like uh, hey, the like, wanker signs are back. Josh. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to stick it to the the way managers. And there's a lot more you know, bile, it seems uh-huh. like, than you, than you were getting in an empty stadium. And so I think um, if I had to, like doing like when I, moving forward, I'm really going to try to factor in a little bit. And even actually when it comes to transfers, maybe be a little less inclined to transfer in somebody who's playing an away match, at least, at least until I, until things settle in a little bit, because I think especially early on, that's just, you know, a, a team like Watford get promoted. It's a lot of energy there. They're really going to feed on that. Maybe 20 weeks from now, once the kind of, excitement of, of being up in the first division wears off and you're just kind of fighting for survival. Maybe that home field advantage isn't quite as strong, but I think early on we're really seeing the effects of full stadiums. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting discussion then looking at captaincy for game week three with Liverpool playing 
again at Anfield, but with a very tough defense in Chelsea, uh, pointing you toward Bruno, who again has an away fixture. And I was like, are people going to be able to get beyond the PTSD of this uh, match at St. Mary's? Yeah. Uh, And then where else do you look like, are, do you have you, do you have son? Do you have Lou Kaku? Do you Uh, dare captain Antonio at home to crystal palace? No, no, I don't dare. I don't dare. I mean, that is an East London derby. That's, and uh, I, and I don't think, I, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see how West Ham look against Leicester tomorrow because they'll yeah. be at uh, London Stadium, which by all accounts is like not the homiest home, right. home ground in it's the league. Track, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's my little conspiracy I've got going. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's really going to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if you had a Man City player that you could. Yeah, Danny Ings, the... Brentford. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who have not let a goal in yet this season, though, mind you. <laughs> it's a tricky week for the captaincy. Uh, even though even though Wolves lost at home, I thought they were the better team for for long stretches. But um, yeah, and it's the last match of the weekend too. So I don't you know that that shouldn't be a factor, but you know. It's, it's narrow something to think about. So, um, yeah, those are some fun. Yeah, the Liverpool Chelsea though the the final match on Saturday that's going to be a, a great match. Yeah, fantastic. Um, which actually brings me to my final point, which is less of a fantasy point, but one that I think is very important uh, as someone who suffered through Brentford Crystal Palace yesterday, which is to really make fantasy fun again this year. Just watch the best match that's on your TV. Watch the best match that's available to yeah. you. I didn't watch Everton Leeds, which watching the highlights was clearly far and away the best match that took place on Saturday yeah. because I have one player in Brentford Southampton or Brentford uh, Crystal Palace and um, I should say Crystal Palace Brentford because the Palace were the home team. And, yep. um, and I was just uh, watching this sluggish, boring match and I would have been so much happier if I just watched <laughs> the better game. Yeah. It's a long season. It's and, a new it's yeah. a new challenge though, Josh, yeah. because we got groomed during COVID last yeah. season yeah. to where we didn't have to choose because every kickoff there were no yeah. simultaneous kickoffs it seemed yeah. like and yeah. and uh, we didn't we didn't have a choice to make, but now you have to be reminded you do have a choice. You can always you don't have to smoke that joint, kids. You can say no to drugs. You can say no to a boring fixture. <laughs> and I think it's a long, long, long season. It really, it'll, it'll, it will feel like a grind at times, as fun as it is. Um, and so do yourself a favor and just watch the most fun match. And, you know, if you live in America, a place where you can get multiple options, just put the, put the fantasy one on your phone. Like put whatever one has the biggest fantasy applications on your phone and just watch the best one that's on TV because you will be happier and like watching the Premier League more. And the more you like watching it, the better you probably be at fantasy. That's what my experience anyway. And on that note, Brandon, let's end the pod. Thank you everyone for listening. Good luck in game week three. A reminder again that we have some international break shenanigans happening. I mean, I say shenanigans, which is just that uh, a bunch of these International teams are trying to squeeze three games into two weeks, um, three weeks into the season, which is uh, going to be tough. Uh, three weeks into the Premier League season anyway. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, uh, the implications there. You can go online and read all about this. We also talked about it a fair amount in last week's pod. So just keep that in mind when you think about your transfers. Some of the players that you bring in could be at risk of not playing in game week four. Yeah. Also, uh, before we sign off, just another mention for our Patreon. If you like what you hear, you want to say thanks to me and Josh for what we do and get more fantasy content in return, find us at patreon.com slash always cheating. And we'd like to thank our producer patrons every week. So a shout out to Mike DiPietro, 
Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, DeBit Gafford, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forbergskoying, Paul Herzig, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Note Stew, Mikey Uwong, Bruce Kerr, Sam Shower, Rich Evans. Josh, this list has gotten quite long, I have to say. Future Media Impressive. Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shivmore Joria, Ron Frost, AJ, Fly You Fools, Jeremy Spiker, Lazaros Yanoas, Jesse Halstead, Matthew Becker, Caleb Rabbi, Todd Byerly, Albert Paxoy, Martin Ospeth, Lee Hickman, Valger Paulson Kruger, Jazz Binning, and Francis Moore. Josh, I'm really excited about that uh, special Patreon episode you're doing this week with Dave, producer Dave, about NFL fantasy. And of course, we'll see all of our patrons Thursday night, Friday morning for our uh, Game Week 3 preview. Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe to the Always Cheating Podcast. Hey, you know, if Patreon is not your thing, what helps us is, is a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. That's super, super helpful. Uh, but find us wherever you get your podcast. Follow us wherever you get your social media. Our website is alwayscheating.com, where you can find all this information and more. Josh, any last words before we get on our way? No, uh, let's hope the uh, hurricane is gone tomorrow. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to. Uh, but Brandon, it was uh, nice talking to you. Nice having you in the in my home to record yeah. a podcast today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Josh. And uh, good luck, everyone. Poku forever. Cheers. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.